Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Bible and Banter. And we have a special co-host with us today. The OG himself, uh, Luke Copeland, is joining me instead of instead of Mike. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike's not feeling too good today. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's gonna have to sit this one out, which is unfortunate. So, you know, I, uh, I appreciate your appreciation, but I don't know if I can call myself the OG. I think you're the OG and I'm right behind you in OG status. Right. No, no, we're, we're the co-founders, man. We're, we are the co-founders of the, of the show. So I get, do I get credit as a co-founder? Why wouldn't you? This this it wasn't it wasn't my idea. So you you're the one that who didn't stop me. that didn't stop Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like how we're starting this one. <laughs> so so we've got some wild stuff to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about bad sermon illustrations. We're going to talk about spitting on people's faces. We're going to talk about being terrible husbands. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about riding dirty. Uh, oh, you know, oh man, we got, we got a, a good one, man. So, uh, Luke, it's been a minute since you've been on. We took last week off too. So, um, if you could, you know, just give us an update. How's, how's life in the Copeland household? Um, what, what's going on in your life? Well, life is just now returning to something resembling normal for us because the, the big event of our January so far has been that COVID swept through our house. So as far as we know, everyone in our house got it. We only had two people tested, but everyone was showing symptoms. Mm. Um, and that was quite the adventure. But the Lord was gracious. No, um, I, I would say no major symptoms. There were definitely symptoms. It was uncomfortable for a bit, but everyone's okay. We seem to be on the other side of it. And on the whole, we're doing quite well. Good. That's how good are, to hear. How are you and yours, Mr. Reynolds? Uh, well, I'll be able to tell you more tomorrow uh, about <laughs> how we're doing. Um, today has been the most stressful day in a very long time. So uh, Robin and the kids, they went up to Massachusetts last week to go visit some fam. And a couple weeks ago, you guys heard, heard me share that uh, my family and I Excuse me, I'm moving back to Massachusetts and uh, plant and we intend to plant the church. So um, so there's that stuff going on. And um, so Robin went up just to go visit, you know, do all the Christmas stuff, because for those who don't know, pastors who don't live near their families don't often get to do Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving with their extended family. So uh, we usually, we usually do it either before or after. So Robin went up uh, last week. She left this morning from Massachusetts and I received a phone call at four o'clock this morning. Now I'm usually an early riser, uh, but it's rare that I'm, I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. And this phone call was from Robin and she was telling me that she was pulled over on the side of the highway by a state trooper in Massachusetts for an expired registration. Um, depending on where you live. Uh, now, I, I've got a whole legal education here this morning um, regarding uh, vehicle registrations, because here in North Carolina, uh, they give you a ticket for an expired registration, but then they send you on your way. 
you're good. Yeah. You're good to go. You you go to a court date. You you um. Uh, you know, pay a fine. I even talked to a state trooper friend of mine a while back, and he was saying that um, as long as you get your registration done before the court date, they usually drop the fine. Um, I have a friend that's an assistant district attorney here in North Carolina, called him this morning to hear his take, and he's also from Massachusetts. And uh, I can't share with you the words he had for uh, the situation uh, because they weren't, they weren't PG 13. They were a little bit higher than that. Mm -hmm. Um, But he shared with me his displeasure about the situation. Uh, Well, anyway, in Massachusetts, the law is uh, you get a ticket. In addition to that, you are not allowed to drive the vehicle afterwards. So they have to tow it. Now, Calls me at four in the morning because the state trooper's like, listen, uh, I get it. If you can go online and register your vehicle right now, I can let you go. Here's the problem. In North Carolina, you have to have your vehicle inspected prior to having it registered. So the vehicle's registered. The registration has, has expired. So here's my wife getting her car uh you know, taken, um, towed to her mother's house. It wasn't too far from her mom's. So she gets it towed to her mom's house and there's legit nothing you can do between the hours of 4 a.m. and 9 a.m. Like they're just, nobody's at work. You can't do anything. So thankfully we have a member in our church that owns a um, license plate agency down here in North Carolina. Again, each state's different. Like here in North Carolina, they're privately owned. Where even though they they you know fit under like state regulations in Massachusetts, it's all ran by by the government. Um, so anyway, called the the church member, um, asked them what we could do, and they're like they're pretty much like uh, they were very kind and gracious, but they're like, man, you can't do this. You can't let the you can't let the stuff like expire. But hey, this is what you can do. So this is what had to happen. I'll make a long story short. And if you think this is a long story. I'm, I'm cutting out a lot. Okay. So, uh, I had to, re- I had to essentially get a copy. They said, um, cause the problem is that she can't drive the vehicle out of Massachusetts. And there are a couple of States along the path from Massachusetts to North Carolina, where they have something similar. One of the States, even their law is so ambiguous that the, that you get a fine plus the trooper has the discretion to either impound your vehicle or let you go. So that's a very wide discretion there. So we weren't, we didn't want to take that chance. Um, but how do you register the vehicle if you don't get it inspected according to, you know, because that's what has to happen in North Carolina. So um, come to find out they were able to take, she took it for an inspection up in Massachusetts. So she rode dirty from like her mom's house to the inspection station, the inspection now, station. Now, Eric, Eric, at this point, you may want to consult your lawyer about what you do or do not want to reveal on, on the stream about okay, what your okay, wife did or okay. did not do. <laughs> she may or may not. Okay. okay. Uh, listen, there's no other option. This is the absurdity of a lot of laws, man, is like, you get into a situation and I get it. Like it's my fault. It is 100% my fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not the state troopers fault. It's not the DMV It's nobody's fault, but the law shouldn't be set up so that you get punished repeatedly for the same thing. Right. So like she should have ideally 
if 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 it was the federal government versus the state government that had oversight over all vehicles, then she could have just continued on. But instead, she has to go through several different states that have very different laws that perceive things very differently when it comes to this stuff. So it's like, man, it, it, it was just it was it was frustrating. Uh, it was exhausting. I can't imagine how Robin feels like I'm not complaining um, because, you know, she's the one who has the kids woke up early, tried to get down, didn't work out. So she's on her way now. Um, so essentially we're able to, to get her a new registration. The DMV said, take a screenshot of it, send it to her. So if she does get pulled over, she has proof. The only difference is that uh, she had to get a new plate. So she's riding with the wrong plate. Um, but I was told by the DMV that shouldn't be a problem. If she gets pulled over, you show the, you know, you show all this to the to the trooper, and they should be fine. So here's to hoping, ma'am. Well, I'm actually uh, very happy. Not that this happened to you. I think it's terrible what happened to you. And at the risk of making the show, it didn't happen to me. It happened to oh, Robin. Robin should not be messaging the show. Mass just did not. She want should be driving. Leave. <laughs> Robin's, Robin's commenting she should be driving Robin I feel may, terrible Robin may or may not be driving while commenting We really need to work on fair, your legalese fair, here fair. Eric I, I, Dude at you, this point I don't give a rip like, you, like, you, like, you can neither confirm nor deny That she was or was not Riding dirty and or commenting On the stream while doing I just, so. I, Dude I feel it, There's no feeling Like helplessness <laughs> Because between the hours of four and nine, there was hardly a thing I could do. Hmm. So it was just, I'm sitting here and my family is stranded in the communist state of Massachusetts. Um, Dude, aren't half our listeners from there? (laughs) Yeah, probably. I'm from Massachusetts. They call it the Commonwealth. I like to call it the communist state. Uh, It's not that bad, but it is like if you've lived in a state that really enjoys freedom, um. Massachusetts really restricts that considerably. Okay. Mm. So like, like if you like guns, Massachusetts is a terrible state for guns. If you, if you like your sanity, Massachusetts, just they do some, they do some things really well. Mm -hmm. They have some terrific veterans benefits. In fact, it's surprising that they have some of the best veterans benefits in the country. Um, But maybe it is because they're so liberal. I I don't know, but it's just, it's different, man. It's different. Um, They outlawed, they outlawed uh, flavored tobacco in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not sure that when I get up there, I can buy the cigars I like. Um, so th- there's just like, it's weird. It's a weird yeah. state, but Jim, uh, yeah. Jim Brooks dropping shade in the comments section, Robin, sorry, your man did not keep up with his duties. And I assume that by keep up with his duties, he means take up arms against the oppressive state. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, Jim. I, I, I don't know that that's what he means, but or, you know, or perhaps he means keep your license plate updated. What listen, I I I own it. Like I I messed up big time. I really did. And I talked to one lady like on the phone that worked at the DMV and asked her like what, what I could do, and she was just like I could hear her shaking her head in the background, and like in <laughs> in in disappointment and shame. And I was like I was like, ma'am, I 
I want you to know I appreciate you helping me with this, and I appreciate that I'm an idiot for allowing this to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's just figure out the solution, and then I will stay on the line for as much as you need me to to get to chastise me, to give me a hard time. Like, let's just figure <laughs> out the issue first, then give me a hard time later. I'll own it. I'll no, own no, it. You're, I, think, I think your point is fair. So because, because you are owning it and taking responsibility for it, I'm now going to cut you a little bit of slack because – you are absolutely right that the way that this works between states is absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that if you're in violation of the law, there has to be consequences. There could be a discussion of whether it should be a law at all, but we're not going to do that today. However, I think we should be able to agree that if it is a law and it is going to be enforced, it needs to be done so sensibly so that people who are in violation of the law are able to make restitution, correct the error and move on. Yeah. It kind of, so, so this is going to be really controversial. You ready? Um, I watched while Robin and the kids have been gone. I watched this documentary on illegal immigration mm-hmm. on Netflix. And it is fascinating, mm-hmm. fascinating, man. Because like, like I'm someone who, who thinks like, you need to enforce borders, but I mm-hmm. think they should be done so sensibly and humanely. Mm-hmm. And like, there are situations in this series, it's like six parts or each episode is maybe an hour long. And at certain points you, you feel like you feel really bad for the, for the individuals who've come to America illegally. Like there's many who are veterans, a lot of veterans who fought in combat have been, you know, um, deported. So mm-hmm. I actually knew of one person when I served and I had no idea how this happened, but they joined the army and they weren't a legal citizen. Um, and I was like, man, that really stinks. I don't know how that's anyway. Um, if you, if you served even one day in uniform honorably, um, <laughs> if, if you served even one day honorably in uniform uh, in defense of this country, you should not be considered an elite. Like they should, f- it should just be automatic where, where you become a citizen. I don't know how that works out. Leave that for the, for the state department and whatnot. But like, this is common sense, man. There was just some other stuff like separating families in certain circumstances and all this other stuff. And again, like, I'm not a soft on crime guy. Like I think you have laws and you enforce those laws. It's, you know, I'm not upset with the state trooper with the stuff that happened this morning. Like you got to do what you, you know, you have to do what the law prescribes. I get that, but make the laws more sensible is all I'm asking. Yeah. Well, Um, well, what you're, I think what you're bringing up right now, we won't make the whole thing about this, but, but uh, you've got my mind on it now. So let me make one remark. Um, I think one of the huge issues when it comes to immigration policy in the U S is actually that um, our, our immigration laws are not always enforced. And because of that, what you end up doing is putting people in situations where they came into the country during an administration that was loose and lax. And mm-hmm. then an administration comes in that's going to enforce the law. And you're now leaving these people, uh, you're, 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 um, you're putting them in a situation where they... You, you can say they should have followed the law. Okay. Yeah, we're in agreement. Um, but a law that's not enforced might as well not be a law at all. And so, right. part, so part, part of the issue when it comes to the immigration, but I think this is actually related to other things too. I think a huge part of the issue is simply that we have not for many, many, many 
years now had consistent enforcement of our immigration laws. Um, and instead, and the, the people who don't like the immigration laws, instead of changing them, they ignore them. This is actually something that we're dealing with right now in our church on a constitutional level. We are having some problems where we have certain parts of our constitution that have not been enforced for many years. Um, and the problem is when you, when you deal with a, a, a legal issue that way, it doesn't solve the problem. It just makes it worse later. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is, uh, this is actually something I, th I think is, is probably a little bit relevant to churches. If you're going to have a constitution, bylaws, you need to actually operate according to those laws so that if they're bad, you can see the consequences and change them. Ignoring <laughs> bad laws usually just makes them worse. Yeah. And, and just to go back, because I, I want to be very clear, I think, you know, we are, we are a country that's been founded on, on immigration. Uh, I think that as churchmen, uh, we understand that God's people um, have no race or like our creed is, is the, is Christ and him crucified. Right. So we have to look at this um, not only as Americans, but mostly uh, as Christians and, and I think, you know, we are a nation of laws. They are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, but there are, I think, some common sense situations where you go, this is just stupid, right? Like mm -hmm. if you have an individual who came here illegally at three years old because their parents brought them here and now they're 25 and they don't even speak the language of their original host country. Mm -hmm. um, how does it make sense to send them back? Like, how is that? Right, right. But, you know, but, my, just, but my point is. If it doesn't make sense, you need to actually change the law. Yes, 100%. And instead, what we've done for generations is basically just said, well, this law doesn't make sense in this case, so we're just not going to enforce yeah, it. I agree. Right? And that 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 doesn't work in the long term. Pama saying yeah. her internet must be struggling, a lot of stops and starts. Yeah, I think that's a problem on your end, Pama. You can always try refreshing it. It's never mm -hmm. going to hurt to close and reopen your app or your internet browser. Good call there, Luke. So yeah, so that was uh, that's been my day so far. So please, pr please pray for my family. Please pray for their safety, and uh, that the the law man would uh, would be kind to them. Um, mm -hmm. May the Lord look out for him. So now uh, I don't, I don't, I feel, I feel like you've already beaten yourself enough up on this. Uh, you've beaten yourself up enough. You don't need further punishment. Uh, so we won't say anything about Robin's comment that. This may have happened before. We're going to leave well, that for uh, another day. Well, I don't know if you have my wife's number, but feel free to text her and tell her that. But no, she's <laughs> been, listen, she's been uh, very gracious. Like I, I really, um, very patient and gracious. And she could have very easily been very upset with me, mm -hmm. but she hasn't been. So um, I, I, I'm thankful that, um, you got a little. You got a little taste of the grace of Jesus Christ in the response of your wife today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My wife demonstrating Jesus through this, through this mess. So I appreciate that. Amen. Um, yeah, man. So, so there's that. There's that. Well, we're um we're 20 minutes into a, a one hour show, and uh, there were some other things we wanted to. But now Jim's chiming in. Our group screen cast you guys every Tuesday during game pub time. No way. I try to share the the Advent Christian views. We're we're on at a bar somewhere. I don't know, but so if cool. but if so, I'm 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 excited, Jim. I want to know more about this. Wow, Jim, tell us more about this. This is this might be groundbreaking for the Bible wow. and Banter show because we um 
we only see Jim Brooks is our new favorite listener, our new favorite viewer. Yeah, yeah. And all the and all the people at the pub. <laughs> if, uh, so if, if the people at the pub can hear us, then uh, um, good afternoon, happy Tuesday. Well, and hey, uh, airborne brother to uh, the 82nd Airborne uh, veteran. I was in the 173rd, so I was also a paratrooper. My basement friends, Jim, you need you need to give us some details. What what's going on here? Do you just got some some buddies hanging out in the basement or in the maybe pub? he's got an in house pub maybe, which is tell, which is pretty dope. Tell us what's going on here, Mister Brooks. We want to know more. All right, what what else did you want to look, talk about today, Mister Reynolds? Uh so actually, he said that he's got uh, a retired eighty uh, second uh, guy with him. So I'm actually got a meeting with a. Um, a network that plants churches among um, uh, among military bases or at military bases and whatnot. So uh, I'm pretty excited for that because, you know, my approach to church planting is we're going to try to reach people with the gospel uh, in, in the veterans community. So, um, so there's some overlap there in, in missiology and, and approach and issues in the community. So, so I hope to have, uh, have some, uh, have some good conversation with them. Um, so that's what I got going on. Now, now pause for a minute because I've had to give this lecture to Eric today. Now I have to give it to Mike. Mike, he may or may not have a speakeasy in his basement. Wouldn't it only be a speakeasy if it's like if it's a if he's in a dry county? Well, we don't know. That's the point. You, we okay. have we need to couch our language since we don't know. Okay. Yeah. They may or may not live in a dry county that may or may not have uh, speakeasies in them. So, uh, Pedar Shahad Vornigo. I don't know what that means, I think, but welcome. I think, a, I think that's just a YouTube scammer. No, no. He's probably yeah. a faithful listener yeah. to the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I imagine. Discuss politics and religion with Judge Bourbon. I've, I've heard of that judge. He can be a little bit unreliable. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I don't know if I you don't have, have to, Bourbon, you don't have so. to comment on that. Uh, but that uh, sounds like the kind of, that sounds like a great group of people, man. Like I would love, I, I, I want to, I want a group of friends like that. We're going to just sit around smoke cigars. And you know, if somebody wants to bring a glass of wine or a bourbon or a beer, they can. And we sit around and just no topic is off limits. So I want to give credit to Jim, uh, for his remark that the Presbyterian is predestined to watch you guys. That was a nice little, nice little touch. I must've skipped that. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I just saw that. Oh, that's good. So, so Luke, today's topic, we're going to talk about bad sermon illustrations. Now here's why, right? So I don't want to, I can't necessarily think of bad sermon illustrations I've given, although I know I've given some, <laughs> um, but I, I think maybe one, let's give the example that you and I have shared. And Mike was included in, in a text message that I had with him this morning. Um, I texted him at like six this morning because I'd already been up for two hours because of my w early morning wake up call uh, with Robin and the state trooper. But uh, yeah, so so there was a video that has gone viral that uh, happened this past Sunday from a uh, I've seen videos of him, but I'm not overly familiar with him. But I think he's a fairly popular uh, preacher. Yeah, Mike Todd? yeah, I'm actually I'm actually familiar with him. Uh, he's a very popular preacher, okay. and uh, probably one of the largest virtual audiences in America, Christendom, right now. Okay. Oh wow, 
That's yeah. that's incredible. One of so, not, not not the but a probably he's probably somewhere up in the top twenty or thirty. Uh, Mike wants us to show the video. Considering after Mike watched it, he said he gagged a couple of times. No, I'm not going to show. It. No, we're not going to do that. So, uh, and and besides, I don't want to shame this guy uh, because I don't know him. I'm not overly familiar with him. I get this sense that he's probably a pros- prosperity gospel preacher, um, but I could be wrong. Um, but he did issue an apology, I think, either today or late yesterday um about what happened so i want to give him grace because listen we often do dumb things from the pulpit so uh (laughs) we shouldn't i mean we shouldn't we should take great care in in our demeanor in what we say in in our clarity um from the pulpit but sometimes we just we, we miss the mark so uh he obviously missed the mark but why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened there luke Oh, yeah, this is what happens when I agree to come back on the show. You give me that job. Uh, Well, Pastor Mike Todd was preaching a sermon on uh, receiving vision from God. That is, you know, receiving direction for your future. And uh, I have no idea what passage he was preaching out of. But that was I know that was the the point he was making because I tried to watch at least some of the context. His message was over an hour, so I didn't watch the whole thing. the but he the point he was making at that moment was that something like God's vision could get nasty. So he was trying to make the point that sometimes God might lead you in directions that you don't like or you don't want, um, which is true. And the way that he chose to illustrate that was by having uh, one of his church members up on the stage next to him. It turned and, out it was his brother. Oh, well, that OK, that helps a little bit. That helps a little bit. It helps like 5%. It, it helps some. So he, uh, the, the way he chose to illustrate this is he um, hocked up a loogie, spit into his hand. Like and then- real, okay, you're not doing this justice. He coughed like a deep guttural cough. Like when he well, did it, I, it kind of like affected my stomach a little. Well, I didn't. I didn't want to get graphic here, Eric. If we're not going to show, nasty. we don't. We don't have to describe it in detail. He hocked up it a loogie. Was... He spit in his hand, and then he rubbed it all over his brother. He rubbed face. it in his hand, and then I, I paint, I... <laughs> and then painted this guy's face with his spit. I don't know if that makes it any worse. I, regardless of whether he mixed it or not, is sort of irrelevant. He oh. he he rubbed. Uh, he rubbed a loogie on another man's <laughs> face in front of the congregation and tens of thousands of online viewers to make the point that sometimes God's uh, vision for our lives might get nasty. Yeah. And nasty it got uh, in that case. So it, that it, the video is just gross. You can, you can look up Mike Todd, you know, spit or whatever. You can probably find the video if you want to watch it. I don't recommend it uh, before or after eating. So um, now look, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I'm trying to find the apology. I haven't found the full text, but I do. I am reading here that he, he at least was willing to call it disgusting. Uh, He said, um, I'm passionate so much so that I try to do extreme things to help people get it. And yesterday it crossed the line. So that's a pretty straightforward apology. He's, he's definitely pulling an Eric Reynolds there and taking responsibility for his error. 
here's so here's you know what my initial thought was when I saw this video because I've been I've been to a mega church and had friends on staff in a mega church and you know so they have like usually you have your main communicator your main preacher and he spends literally 30 to 40 hours a week working on a sermon and they work weeks ahead of time you know they 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 they're just they're churning things out very professionally and, and all yep. that and um, oftentimes when it comes to illustrations or points of messages, they include a team of people to, to work on that. And the, the main communicator will often spitball ideas as to illustrations and, and all that kind of stuff. Pun intended, by the way. <laughs> so my first thought was like, cause I imagine this guy's, uh, is at a mega church. And I just thought like, did no one, did no one, in your leadership team, go, uh, Pastor Mike, this is nasty. I don't think this is appropriate. Um, <laughs> did no one say that? And then if someone did say it and he did it anyway, you got to listen to your folks, man. I mean, you obviously your judgment's off. Uh, and listen, I've made mistakes. Like, I'm not saying that this guy is the only one who made I've made mistakes, but you got to learn from them, right? And learning from them is, is realizing maybe you don't have the best discernment as to what's appropriate and inappropriate. Therefore, run things by your people. So I'm not going to judge this guy based off of this one event. If he keeps doing dumb stuff like this, uh, like like nasty, inappropriate stuff, then, then that's, that's an issue. Hmm. Also, the guy who's on stage, his brother, who's getting his face painted with his brother's spittle. Um, dude, what were you thinking? Like, that's gross, man. That's, that's like, I don't know. Like, I love my siblings. I don't know that I would willingly take their spit on my face. I, I mean, isn't, isn't that sort of acknowledge to be one of the worst things you can do to your siblings. I feel like I've seen more than once in a movie where, where brothers are fighting and like one of them gets the upper hand and the final blow is when he hocks up a loogie and spits on him. That's, that's just like the ultimate uh, sign of disrespect and insult to someone. Now, I don't know after he had the spittle rubbed on him, if he was supposed to turn the other cheek, I'm not sure if it works the same way as, if you get if you get slapped um, now, Mike is not here and yet he's stealing the show because I think his comment is probably the best one. There's a reason that he's popular virtually. People don't want his bodily fluids. on them. <laughs> it's like a, what, what's the uh, the comedian that smashes uh, smashes Big Gallagher, the punk, the watermelon smasher. The if you sit in the front few rows, they give you tarps. Mm. Because he smashes watermelons as part of his show. I wonder if it's the same thing. Uh, I did finally find the the full text of Mike Todd's apology. And he, <laughs> and he, um, he did apologize. However, he used the phrase, uh, I just want to acknowledge what happened yesterday when the spit hit the fan. So <laughs> no, he didn't. He did not say that. Oh my goodness, dude! How do you take the apology seriously after that? <laughs> That's not a serious apology. That's an apology you give like begrudgingly. 
<laughs> like you can't. You... I, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be really honest here. I I actually have. I actually have mixed feelings about this because there's a part of me that that wants the the preaching of the word of God to be treated with reverence and honor, and for the men who um, who do it to to give it that reverence. But then there's another part of me that feels like when you do screw up that badly, maybe there is actually some value to um, making, you know, making a joke about yourself. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's not a good look. I, I don't think yeah, any that makes me that. feel different about this now. Like I didn't read the apology. I just assumed the best about it. Uh, apparently I should have read it and done my due diligence. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, we're not, we're not going to post the, um, we're not going to post the video, but I will go ahead and post the apology, especially since, since we're talking about talking about it anyways, I might as well go ahead and do that. Um, I, I don't want to let you off the hook, though, Eric, because I definitely have some bad sermon illustrations I could share, and I will. But I want you to try to think of one while I, while I tell mine. So I'm going to tell my bad sermon illustration, and then I'm going to post uh, – I'll post the apology in the chat. So that yeah, I can't go read it. To be honest, I can't even recall – like oftentimes I feel like I black out when I preach. So I don't even know what – when I give good sermon illustrations or bad ones, because Wait, I also, say, did you say you black out when you preach? Yeah. If I come down off, off our, out of the pulpit, man, I, I don't remember probably 60% of what I said. Do you listen back to what you uh, occasionally I used to more often? I do so less. Hmm. Um, so I've begun, like I have an outline and I don't include illustrations in that outline. Although I might have illustrations in the back of my mind. But I often shoot from the hip on illustrations uh, from the pulpit, uh, which. So you does if you if you shoot from the hip, you definitely have some bad ones. You oh yeah, sure. I'm not saying that I haven't had bad ones, Luke. I'm 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 telling you, I know I've had bad ones. You just don't and remember I'm, any of them. I just don't remember them, but I don't remember my good ones. The only good illustration that I remember was one that I had planned out, and it was a it was a, a visual aid. Um, we're, we're in first Corinthians 15. It was at my last church and we're talking about eternity and living in our life in the resurrection and all this other stuff. And I had like this 100 foot long rope and it was all white. And then at one end there was black and then red. And I use that as an illustration for the life that we live. It has a, a finite date and then, uh, we're in the grave and then Jesus returns and we live for eternity. So uh, I it was a great illustration. I stole it from Francis Chan. Um, it, it was terrific. Yeah, uh, most, that's, most great illustrations are are borrowed for sure. Yeah, and I got no problem with it. You know, Me neither. Uh, so you know, give credit where credit's due. By yeah. all means, like if someone's like, Pastor, that was a great illustration. Mm -hmm. Be quick to say thank you. I this is how I found it. And this, yeah. you know, because I don't want anyone to, you know, anyway. Um, so that's the only real illustration I, I remember giving uh, that was any good or bad. So I definitely said some words that I might not like Robin hates it when I say stupid. Apparently stupid's a bad word to say. Um, um, there was one time I almost I almost said a cuss word. Uh, and I think the whole congregation knew uh, because I said, 
you know, you can uh, – <laughs> I said you can hope in one hand and you know what to do with the other and see which one fills up first. Um, because, like, to me, that's just – that's a – that's a phrase that we use all the time. Like it, it, I've never lived my life where that wasn't a phrase that came up on occasion. Like it's yeah, just, yeah. no, I'm not. So, don't, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not going to crucify you on, on, on the phrases. I actually am still adjusting to um, it, it. I, I got used to up North and it's different everywhere. I'm not saying everyone up North treats it this way, but just the, some of the, the culture that I was in the particular sub culture I was in um, the term BS you can spell it out in your mind was just like a common term for when you knew someone was lying mm -hmm. um, and so I I used that that term pretty regularly until oh. I came up here and I used it a couple times and I found out well no that that still has the s word in it so you're not supposed to use that so uh, I understand uh, I understand gaps in terms of like cultural understanding of words and, and hey we want to be like we want to be as responsible with our language like we don't want to offend anyone by the use of our language we don't want any unwholesome speak excuse me to come out of our mouths yep that's also a very subjective term right even if you look at the uh, even if you look at that passage um, you know what is unwholesome that really is based on culture and society. So you have to kind of figure that out. So what's acceptable uh, from the pulpit is going to be different than what you might when you are in the locker room or something like that. Now I say that, I say that to say like, listen, I don't go around dropping cuss words and F bombs all over the place where I'm around, you know, in the locker room with veterans and stuff like that. I don't, they are most of the guys I know do, and that's fine. It doesn't offend me. There's mm -hmm. no word that offends me. Um, but you know, except, like, except for maybe Arminius, <laughs> no, not less. I, I just, I don't get offended easily. Um, so, but I have a different tolerance than, than maybe some folks in my church or yeah. another place. So, yeah, um, no, when it, when it comes, when it, I think it's fair to say that when it comes to, um, wholesome and unwholesome language, uh, while the standard is not relative, the application is going to sort of vary from culture to culture. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. My bad sermon illustration, which actually could have been way worse. It could have been way worse. Um, the Lord was gracious to me one time. And it was one of those unplanned illustrations. Cause I actually try to, um, when I give an illustration, I would say more than half the time it's pre-planned. Like I actually wrote it into my outline. Every once in a while, though, I do shoot from the hip. And in this case, I did. And I was talking about, uh, you know, faith. Well, what is faith? Well, faith is uh, it's trusting in God. Well, what, does it, what does it mean to trust in God? And so I used the illustration of, well, I should have used the illustration of sitting in a chair. Instead, what I chose to do was stand up on a chair. And it all, <laughs> I know, I know. Why? And it, I, I, <sighs> beats me, Eric. I don't black out when I preach, but I don't remember when that moment, why I chose to do that. Uh, and I was centimeters away from it, the chair, it, cause it tipped like the, it was a, it wasn't just a normal four legged chair. It was like a, a half a pew kind of a chair. So I stepped on the edge and that sort of passed the center of balance. And I almost 
came crashing down in the middle of the sermon. When you said um, you were standing on the edge, it made me think of that Creed song. Remember Creed, <laughs> that band? I'm uh, I try, I try not to remember Creed, but I do. I do. The the great era of butt rock in the early 2000s. <laughs> before before uh, Nickelback was cool, there was Creed. and <laughs> Nickelback uh, was never cool. Take that. What are you, Canadian? Dude, I went to several high school dances where they played Nickelback songs, all right? And everybody should look back on that time and have a little bit of hate for themselves. Um, Nickelback, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, how we ever listened to Nickelback um, I, I is beyond me. We've, beyond. Got, we've, got, we've got some remarks here we got to get in. Um, Pama is very very funny today. She says, did your mom never lick her finger and clean something off her face? That's a great point, Pama. Maybe I don't recall. Maybe, maybe Pastor Todd just noticed that his brother had some schmutz and he had to had to help him out. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mark Wolfington, I actually, I really like Mark's point. And I'm going to try not to take up the rest of the show with this because I wanted to say this a moment ago, but he said it better. Elijah's conversation with the prophets of Baal is hilarious in Hebrew, but probably wouldn't fly in most AC pulpits. Um, and this is actually a point that I know he, there are problems with this guy. I'm not bringing him up to try to start a debate about him. He's just the one who introduced me to this. Um, Doug Wilson actually has a really helpful teaching about this where he lays out um, language used in the Bible that that would not be acceptable in most Western Christian culture today. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark brings up Elijah's conversation, but I can also think of the language um, used, for example, in the prophet Hosea. In fact, uh, many of the prophets use the you know language that to us we read it in English and it, it we can tell they're talking about lewd things, but I don't we don't always I think understand the severity, the gravity of the language. Um, and more than one of the prophets, God uses very strong language to describe the unfaithfulness of his people. And I, I think um, I think actually this is connected to this issue with um, Pastor Todd's sermon illustration of on the one hand, we don't want to be lewd, foul-mouthed, um, unwholesome in order to simply like grab attention or elicit shock. However, I do think that there are times and situations where it is appropriate to use strong language in order to communicate what the Bible communicates. Mm -hmm. um, I think we, in fact, I think we need to be careful not to to um, try to soften the sharp edges of certain passages of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, so, so <clears throat> if you think about those lewd passages, you, you know, it's almost like, you know, we know there are certain body parts that there are, um, there are medical terms, there are mm -hmm. popular terms, and then there are lewd terms for those body parts. They all mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. But there's all these different words that mean that same thing and have a different level of, of I guess, um, appropriateness in situations. So, you know, it's almost like if someone uses a certain type of word, it can often communicate. It communicates something. The words we use communicate something. So the words we choose should be the best ones for the circumstance to make the point we intend to make. Um, mm -hmm. 
so we see that in scripture. I think for us, we have often made the church to be a little bit more professional or a little bit more, um, I don't know, like, like we've lacked a tolerance for the line or, or like tiptoeing the line. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we want more safety in the way we communicate and how we say, and even the people that we're around. Um, and, and that's not a criticism. I'm, I'm just making an observation. So, um, yeah, you know, I, there's a huge difference, I think. Uh, you know, like I, I look at this and go, man, would I be, would I be more offended if this guy dropped an F-bomb or him or him painting spit on someone's face? Like if, if there's a degree of severity, um, you know, depending on his context, if he's talking to a bunch of prisoners or or something like that, then I go, man, I, if the choice was mine. I'd rather you just tell me the F-bomb than spit on my face. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's be real, man. Um I, I don't want your COVID germs. I don't want your whatever. Ger I, I like, yeah. I like keep your loogies to yourself. Well, um, well, it's, it's interesting too. Um, I agree with everything you just said, but I'm going to, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. The uh, it's interesting. I, the passage, at least I think, because I tried to listen to some of the context, I think the passage he was pulling this out of was actually the passage where Jesus spits in mud and then that's the first thing the I thought of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And rubs it in the blind man's eyes. And so, um, you know, I don't think that everything Jesus does, it's okay for us to do. Um, cause we're not Jesus, but to, uh, in, in, you know, in pastor Todd's defense, it, that what he did was not totally unprecedented in the history of, of, uh, of Christian, uh, faith and practice. The, uh, <laughs> the, the thing that I immediately thought of though, on this subject uh, and forgive me if I'm derailing us after I make this point, you can bring us back on back on track. OK, um, I will say this before I read this passage. If you've got kids listening, you may want to um, hold ears for a minute. And I'm just reading directly out of NIV. I'm not elaborating. I'm not, in fact, if you want, Eric, you want me to do ESV instead. Do you care which translation care. I read this out? I don't, care. I don't even know what passage you look This at. is from, out of Ezekiel chapter 23. Um, this is the prophet Ezekiel describing the unfaithfulness of uh, Egypt. Or, I heard or, you sing a song about this one time. Um, well, no, I actually sang a song about Hosea, but very oh. similar, very similar, similar language. Um, this is uh, not the unfaithfulness of Egypt. Sorry. The unfaithfulness of Israel to God. Ezekiel okay. 23. Chapter 23. And I'm starting in verse 18. Okay. Oh, Again, God. I want to repeat this. I am reading directly from the Bible. When she carried on her prostitution openly and exposed her naked body, I turned away from her in disgust, just as I turned away from her sister. Yet she became more and more promiscuous as she recalled the days of her youth when she was a prostitute in Egypt. There she lusted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys and whose emissions were like those of horses. So you longed for the lewdness of your youth when in Egypt your bosom was caressed and your young breasts fondled. I think okay. my wife is listening to this in the car with my kids. Yeah, well, I, I did warn her. I did you, warn her that that was coming. You did. You did. Now, I guess I maybe I'll have to have a conversation with my kids <laughs> later on. Uh, they know no. they know a little bit about the birds and the bees. 
Right, right. Yeah. Now, now I'm not saying that we should just, you know, read stuff like this uh, publicly all the time. I understand, for ex you know, for example, I was I was taking my kids through Genesis a few months ago, and we got to the story of incest with Lot and his daughters, and uh, I didn't tell him that one. I didn't feel it was time yet for my six and four year old to, you know, understand what what incest was. So so I'm not trying to say that we should that everything in the Bible should just be publicly read. I can think, for example, of passages in Song of Solomon that perhaps should be reserved for more private occasions yeah. or yeah. Or, yeah. or divided. But 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 I read that to make the point that, um, look, there are there are things that are actually in the inspired word of God that are far more uh, lewd and gross and um, uh, just, you know, foul-mouthed than anything that we, we can imagine ever saying. Now, that shouldn't justify us in being careless with our words. I appreciate you earlier quoting Paul, who says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But... Um, Unwholesome in that passage is actually defined by what the words do. Are they building up or are they tearing down? Say he says the passage continues. Um, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up of others. Yeah. Um, so you think so? Let, so let's compare a little bit, right? So yeah. the big, the the biggest like four letter word or cuss word that people feel most uncomfortable with is usually the f bomb, right? So let's just use that as an example. If you have someone come into your church, and I've been a part of a church where we have people that like the F word is kind of like their noun, adjective, and verb that happens in sentences. Yeah. And um, and like they're they're either like they're interested in the faith, they're trying to explore things, maybe they're new believers or whatever that might be. So they don't yet know that people are uncomfortable with the, with using that word in those ways. Mm -hmm. um, or at all, but would you rather like be chilling and hanging out in a Bible study with that person at church or the person who, um, is critical of everything the church does, mm. you know? So if every, if our speech is to be upbuilding and for the betterment of the church and to God's glory, then, I, you know, I think we just have to understand like oftentimes our sensibilities are, are just, that's they're our sensibilities mm -hmm. they aren't necessarily the sensibilities that god has given to us so let's like let's investigate with the word of god let's be patient with people um and and you know i would i i'm more concerned about the person who's just critical about everything they have a divisive spirit but you know is there every sunday every wednesday night and has you know always has their hands together in a, in a in, you know neatly in their lap and you know, amen to everything, but they're just super like divisive and critical. I'm more concerned about that church member or that person than I am the person who, you know, grew up like I did in a, in a, like I grew up where the F word was everywhere, man. Like I was saying the F word at 16, 17, 18 years old. It was just part of my everyday vernacular. You know, so yeah, so, yeah. Well, I think I think I think most sixteen and seventeen year olds are, you know, uh, are are playing with language and what's allowed and what's not. I'm not justifying it, but I'm saying it's pretty normal. Yeah, but I'm also talking. This was twenty years ago, and uh, 
and like this was around my parents. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it, right, I didn't have right. any embarrassment, about, you know, just because it was part of our it was part of the culture I grew up in, you know, my, mm -hmm. my little, my little subculture. So, you know, I, I just look at that and go, there are people who grew up that way, who grow up in certain situations or have been around something that, you know, there are words, there, there are cuss words, there's four letter words that, that maybe they go against what is culturally acceptable, but at least in their subculture, it is accepted. So, mm. um, you know, we just got to understand that. I'm not justifying. I'm just saying we got to understand. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, I, yeah. and I think, too, there's the issue of um, you'll have to forgive me. This will be this will be my second Doug Wilsonism of, of the show. Uh, Ali, man, can you get, can you get off of Doug Wilson? Doug Will, I, Doug, I'm Doug, trying to. You don't have enough time today to talk about Doug Wilson. I am trying. He, he tried to justify slavery. I am trying to follow what you said a moment ago about giving credit where credit's due. I don't want to steal an illustration. Okay. This is actually a biblical illustration, though. He didn't come up with this. Okay. There's also the issue of gnats and camels, right? Where um, let's say that you have an opportunity to, uh, to tell someone of the good news about Jesus. Wow, what an amazing opportunity. And let's say that that person happens to be really foul-mouthed, Right. The, the time to teach that person not to use those naughty words um, is not before you've preached the gospel to them. And I think sometimes we do, we do run into this issue of, um, of gnats and, and camels where we're straining gnats and swallowing camels. Of we need to be able to discern with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of Scripture and each situation what's the highest priority. Because if I walk into a room full of people who speak a certain way and don't know any better and don't know Jesus, then my first priority is to introduce them to Jesus, not to police their language. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that um, I might not uh, if, at, at some point say something about it, especially if, you know, Lord willing, they came to saving faith in Jesus Christ and became a part of my church. Well, then, yeah, I, I might have some things to say about that. But um, if we want to be able to preach the gospel to a fallen world, it's going to require us to be around fallen people. And we don't have to stoop down to the level of the world. But I think we do have to be able to sort of wade into the muck, at least up to our ankles, if we want to be able to, to go where the lost people are. Mm -hmm. Boom. My two cents. Take them for what they're worth. Thanks, Doug. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look. I, by the way, I want I want to say this publicly. I do. I actually appreciate that you and some some of our other friends resisted the urge to have an intervention because <laughs> I know there were discussions about it. There um, may listen. There may or may not have been discussions about having <laughs> an intervention on your love affair with um, Doug Wilson. Uh huh. Yeah. I I um. I appreciate that that those discussions did not go any further than that. Well, it's because we love you and care about you, and we don't want I, you stuck into anti-intellectual fundamentalism. I know, I know. There's uh, there it's the it's it's out of it's out of love. I know. Mm -hmm. But well, hey, you told me didn't you tell me you were going to be going to a uh, seminary soon? Yeah. So I actually just got uh, I just got accepted back in. November. I should say I got re-accepted. 
Um, I already had 12 credits toward a Master's of Divinity at Midwestern Baptist. I got them while I was working as a, a church music director in Gurney, Illinois. And um, but I hadn't I hadn't taken any classes since 2017. Yeah. And then there's this fella. There's this fella I've gotten to know over the past couple of years who keeps uh, who keeps just sort of nudging me a little bit to, to keep growing and, and getting educated and getting qualified. And uh, I, I don't always listen to him, but in this case, I did. And I uh, hopefully hopefully I'll be starting classes in the fall. Um, I, I'm not starting classes yet because my one the one sort of condition I made for myself because uh, I had lots of excuses to not go back to seminary. Um, the one condition I made for myself was I'm not going to take on debt to do this. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing lots of, I'm doing lots of research and groveling, um, for, for scholarships from various churches and the conference and the region. And I'm trying to get my ducks in a row. Um, yeah, that's good. so I can, I'm, I can take some classes without accruing debt. Yeah. You, you know what I've also done? Cause I, you know, so I've done this with some of the courses I've taken. Um, is I'll put some of it on my, my credit card and I'll, so I'll be on a payment plan. So mm -hmm. I'll put like, so if the payment plan say $300 a month for the semester, I'll just put it on my credit card and then pay it the following month. It just gives me more. And I pay my credit card off every single month, like in full. Um, because I'm, I, you know, I just don't want to get in the credit card debt. But it accrues points. Like I get, you know, I get yeah. money back. So it just makes sense. Um, so I, I, you know, if, if you end up having to do that, but yeah, I'm with you. Like, don't, don't take on any debt if you don't have to, but dude, I'm super encouraged because I think that you are a, a very intelligent person. Um, but my, and I think that you're, you're well read in certain areas sure. or at least to read. Um, <laughs> you know, Robin, at the beginning of the show, he said something very kind about you, about how gracious you were being and, uh, and how kind you are and how you could have been a lot more, but now I'm just starting to think you, you reserved your ire for the for <laughs> Bible and banter. Yeah, it sounds like it, but that's okay. I deserve it. So, you know, <laughs> fire away. You were making, um, a, you were making a point. I was, I was making a point uh, before I was reminded of my failures as a husband and as a father, <laughs> uh, my bride. But, um, you know, I, I think like we had this conversation a few months ago and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but I, I really admire your tenacity and I think you have a lot of tools, mm -hmm. but I think that, I think what seminary will do will sharpen those tools to make you a more deadly adversary to Satan. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that you're already a worthy um, combatant. Um, but I think that seminary can, can only help you um, in reading more widely, in becoming more disciplined in what you read and engaging with, with different things. Um, because, I, you know, I look at our denomination, Luke, and, and we don't have a lot of people who are writing. We don't have, you know, if you look at the folks who are publishing books, like you get David Dean, who's, who's republishing his dad's works. Um, you have a couple of guys who've, who've written some short books, including myself. But no one is writing to the capacity that they were 40 years ago. We don't, the, the David Deans are gone. The Gennies are gone. Like all the, the Freeman Bartons, they're gone. So all the folks that average Christians really admired 
um, that appreciate that have valued that, that there's no further academic work or even popular yeah. level work. So, so those, and a lot of that, most of that came out of Berkshire. Yep. And yep. Um, there is no physical campus to Berkshire anymore. So, so all these smart folks, all these smart professors and the lead thinkers in the denomination don't gather together hardly at all. Mm. So, so the connection is not there. The, the opportunity is not there. But we still need uh, well-trained and 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 um, just well-trained good thinkers, and and I think that um, you have that opportunity. I think that Bigford has that opportunity. So does Tom, myself, and and a lot of other folks in our denomination. Catherine's one of those people. Um, I, I just I really appreciate. All these individuals, a lot of them contribute to Advent Christian Voices and to other denominational magazines and stuff like that. Just just brilliant minds that are becoming more brilliant mm. by God's grace and his mercy. And I'm excited for the future of the Advent Christian Church. And it all rests in you getting your ending. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was... That was one of the most impressive setups I've ever heard. I did not see that punchline coming at all. I didn't yeah, see it coming so, at all. So uh, I, I don't even know. Are you getting an MDiv or an MTS? A what? Are you getting it? Are you going for an MDiv or are you enrolled in the MDiv? At, at no, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting the MDiv. It's it's okay. pretty intense. It's like 84 credits. So Yeah, yeah. But you got 12, so that's good. I'm a seventh of the way there, and it only took me like five years. So and there are eight the week courses, man. I'm telling you, eight week courses allows you to accomplish so much more. I love them. Yeah, so yeah. Well, that's that, that's the only thing that MBTS offers online is eight week courses. Yeah, yeah. And for those who don't know, like I switched from my PhD to a doctor of ministry to to focus on mm -hmm. church planting. So I'm actually doing a demon in church planting and an MTS at Midwestern in church planting. Well, what I actually just learned from Eric the other day is that he's attending like three seminaries right now. <laughs> Yeah, don't tell Robin. Uh, she when I tell her all the when I tell her all the plates that are spinning, what, she like she gets stressed out. Stresses out on my behalf. Don't tell Robin. She doesn't know that you're attending three seminaries. No, I think she does. I think she does. But like, I remember there was a conversation we had a few months ago, and she's like, "Listen, you you pretty much you got to stop going to school. Like like at some point, enough is enough." Um, I, feel like, I feel like I need to end this conversation before I get you in trouble. Uh, let oh, me yeah. say, can, can I just make a, a, a closing remark and then I'll, I'll let you wrap up the show? Um, so the discussion we had today, it's interesting. When Eric sent me that video, there was actually a part of me that wanted to say, no, we're not going to talk about that because we're living in this era of um, perpetual outrage where the way the way that you achieve success is through um, uh, you know, essentially through outrage, right? You either need to be angry or shocked or just sort of all these extreme emotions and the way that we monetize them. Um, and so there's a part of me that said that thought like, we shouldn't talk about this. However, now that we've had the conversation, I'm glad that we did. And I'll tell you why. I think this is actually connected to the remark that you just made, not about the, the future of the denomination, hanging on my show, my, uh, my seminary education, but your remark about honing your tools a as a Christian thinker, that I think this was a good exercise today in discernment where we, we need to be able to use the God-given gift 
of discernment through uh, the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of Scripture, which can't really be separated from each other. They're, they're pretty well synonymous. Um, the uh, We need to be able to use those gifts in order to understand um, and speak about sort of complex situations. So here's a situation where I think it's easy on a gut level to look at it and say that's gross, but can you actually communicate why it might be a bad idea for a Christian teacher to do this? And I think we had a, it was a good exercise for us to do this today. You know what I was thinking about this morning on my, so one of my favorite restaurants in the area is called Redneck Barbecue Lab. When we move, it'll be one of the top 10 things I miss about this place. And uh, so Tuesdays is when they have burnt ends and uh, they don't call burnt ends meat candy for no reason. I mean, they're <laughs> delicious. So at, after all that had transpired this morning and running back and forth with the DMV, coming back to the office or at home to print stuff out. And um, I was just, I was, you know, I was finally like relieved, like, okay, now Robin can leave. Like now, now I can see them. Like I miss my family. They've been gone for five days, man. Like I hate, I hate them being away. I hate being away from them. And so I treated myself to Redneck Barbecue Lab and to some of that meat candy. And I was just like, just really feeling, I was really just in my emotions, just really just exhausted. And, and I, and I feel it, man. And I just thought like, man, what if someone was a real rear end to me? Like what, like, what if I went to, what if I had gone there and been around people in public and like some guy bumped into me and was like, you know, said something stupid or something like that. And I was just thinking like, how often do we see people in lot in life when we're out and about, we have no idea what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, I feel like, like I've been a jerk to people before. And, and I just like, it's embarrassing to think that I had no idea what was going on in their life. One, I shouldn't be a jerk to them. But two, what if my being a jerk compounded the stress that they were already under in a circumstance they're unfamiliar with or, or feel just, just super exhausted? Like, and it, so on my way back to the office from getting me some meat candy, mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know, what is the Christian life? other than knowing Christ and him crucified and exemplifying the mercy and grace shown to us on the cross in our everyday interactions with people. Mm -hmm. And like we, we need, dude, we need, we need, we are called to serve our community. I don't care what race, gender, uh, gender identity and go off the, the never ending list. I don't care what their sexual attraction is, what kind of drug they're addicted to. I don't care what they're lusting after. They are a person made in the image of God that has been corrupted by the fall and sin. And they need our love. Now that doesn't mean you accept people or that, excuse me, that doesn't mean you accept those sins and just sign off on them like our culture has, but, Certainly it means that we treat people with kindness, dignity, and respect. And, and I just appreciate that all day today, every single person I interacted with, including the state trooper who pulled Robin over, including the, the multiple people that worked at the DMV, to, to the person slinging the meat over at the Redneck Barbecue Lab. Everybody in between was super kind just super kind and it, and it really made my day a lot easier. So thank you to all those folks.
I think I think that's a great way to close it, Eric, because that'll preach. Uh, I I just want to make I know I'm I'm no longer a host of the show. I'm just an, an honored guest. I appreciate Eric letting me be here. I just want to throw something out there. Just throw it out there. If um if Mr. Jim Brooks would ever be interested in introducing the rest of the audience to his little posse, that could make for an interesting uh interesting possible combo someday. You think maybe, maybe just... we could do like an after hours show where we yeah. all sit and smoke cigars? Yeah. Yeah. And we gotta find out where you live. Maybe we can come to you. Let uh let let um let the gentlemen who who run the show know if that's something that you and your buddies might want to do, Mr. Brooks. I'll, I'll have to talk to Tom because it's one thing for me to write an article about cigars on Advent Christian Voices. Mm-hmm. It might be too much for Tom to handle if we were to actually smoke cigars live <laughs> on, on the show. Um so you know, I uh yeah, yeah. So oh there I'll, is go ahead. There is one more thing. Oh, sorry, finish your thought. No, no, go ahead. I got to say one more thing publicly. I'm trying, trying to, I'm trying to follow the example of, of this young man that I really admire who, when he makes a mistake, he, he takes responsibility for it and owns it. Um, uh, No, no, no. Eric Reynolds. And uh, I'm older than you. (laughs) So I just, I just want to, I just want to state publicly for the record that Eric crushed me in chess twice this week. Absolutely took, stole my soul. (laughs) <laughs> you start calling me the grim reaper man <laughs> dude i i'm i really i really enjoy it but like luke's asking me to explain how i do certain things or like my and i'm like dude i i just i'm very intuitive like i Eric, don't like is- luke knows more about chess luke has forgotten more about chess than i'll probably ever know but somehow i just wreck him so, so do you do you know do you know what this is called in most circles, Eric? What that feeling that you have? Um, it's it's called it's oh. called talent. This is how this is how talented. This is how talented people feel when untalented people ask them how they do what they do. Their answer is, "I don't know," because they can just do it. Okay. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate your grace in in that. Like, I remember when we first started playing, I was making fun of you. But that's because I didn't realize how much better I am at chess than you. Like, and I'm not saying that to like to pump myself up. Like, we're at the point now where. Um, All right, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell. I know I said an hour, but I have to tell one more story now, and then I really have to go. And I get a meeting. Go. I have a very important meeting in 20 minutes. So you have to go too. So this story will be very quick. Someone very close to me. After way back, I think I guess it was last year when we first started playing. We were playing a lot. Cause they've, they've known me for like a long time and they know me as, you know, the chess guy. <laughs> they were convinced that you were cheating. <laughs> they, they think the only way it made sense to them that you were beating me as badly as you were. They were like, he has to be cheating. <laughs> because they, because they just know that you're that good. Yeah, they were like, cause they're like, no, Luke's really good at chess. And, and Eric's Eric's like making child's play of him. He well, must be. To, to be fair. We play it on the chess app. Uh-huh. And and there's a game report at the end, and they like rank each move or like the quality of moves. And so I want everyone to know Luke is really good at chess. Um, but and it's Eric's just like better. But oh, Eric is better. Oh, but when you look at the game report, what separates us is usually one or two moves. Yep. It's nothing like it's nothing. It, all the the score doesn't show the actual game. 
You know what I mean? Like, like when you, when the computer is ranking your moves and it says like, Oh yeah. Like, like for me, it didn't say that I did anything great. It just said that I did everything correctly. And like for you, it's like, Oh, you didn't do it. Great. And you did like two things incorrectly and then you got slaughtered. So like, that's the, that's the margin of error in chess. So it's what, it's what um, makes it a, it's what makes it a fun game. Yeah, um, I'll let you uh, uh, respond to Mr. Brooks, and then we'll have to wrap this up. Uh, Eric, eighty seconds sends you a Saint Michael patron of the paratroopers to you. Thanks for reading about naked women to us. Also, uh, that wasn't me. That was uh, that was Luke. Um, but you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, Saint. For those who don't know, Saint Michael, um, the archangel is known as the as the patron saint of paratroopers if you believe in such things that's kind of like a roman catholic dogma um it was something that before i knew the differences differences between roman catholicism eastern orthodoxy and then protestantism i had a little medallion that was of saint michael that i had around my neck Mm. um until like until i just came to a theological conviction that 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 just wasn't the case and that ditched it but that that medallion had been with me for two deployments so um saint michael man Yep. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for letting me uh, sit in. It was a great time. And uh, next week, I'll hand it back to the professionals. Boom. Have a good one, guys.